It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Britain stands on the cusp of war and responsibility for it lies fairly and squarely in Washington with President Trump and in particular with John Bolton, his national security advisor. Oh, and their pet monkey, Jeremy Hunt, the foreign secretary of Great Britain, at least for the next few hours. More on that point later. Famously, on the rock of Gibraltar, the monkeys run free. In this case, the monkeys were in Whitehall in London. They received an order from John Bolton that an oil tanker belonging to Iran filled with 2.1 million barrels of Iranian crude oil against which cargo there are no sanctions whatsoever in the European Union. The order was to use the Royal Marines operating off the rock of Gibraltar to board, like pirates, this Iranian tanker on the high seas, which if they belonged to anyone, they belonged actually to Spain, our European Union ally, at least for the next few hours. This piratical act of boarding and seizing and impounding millions of barrels of Iranian oil has, as I predicted here on the mother of all talk shows, created a trail of gunpowder which was bound to explode in the Persian Gulf in the Straits of Hormuz. There was no legal case for what the British did at the Americans' behest. And there's no legal case for what Iran has just done in seizing not one but two British tankers. Well, I say British tankers. They're actually ships built in Indonesia, run by Swedes, based in Cyprus, and with no British crew on board. But according to the Sunday Times, Rupert Murdoch's flagship newspaper in Britain, Iran has struck at Britain. Well, you know, in a nursery school, the conflict resolution would begin with this order from the teacher. Give it back. Give the Iranians back their tanker and the Iranians give our, in adverted commas, tankers back to us. And then everyone calm down. Because I tell you what, if you seriously think that shooting down each other's drones, seizing each other's oil tankers is not going to lead to war, then you must have been asleep for the first 20 years nearly 
of this 21st century. This belligerence on behalf of the Trump administration and its monkeys in London is going to lead to blood. Of course, it won't be the blood of the politicians who order the conflict, who set the tripwires for the conflict. They're ready to fight to the last drop of other people's blood. They're ready to send other mother's sons into the maw of another battle, another war in the Arab Middle East. But they won't be sending their own sons of that, you can be sure. Now, when I say responsibility lies in Washington, it's amazing how many idiots with typewriters working in the British media, and I suppose also in the United States, have forgotten. I mean, I know that historical memory amongst journalists and broadcasters doesn't go back far, but this only requires them to go back a few weeks. When Donald Trump ripped up the Iran nuclear deal, which everyone else said was working perfectly, was doing what it said on the tin, was doing what the resolutions which established it said should happen. When Donald Trump ripped up that agreement and began what can only be described as an armed siege of Iran, economic warfare on a devastating level, killing people in Iran by sanctions, he laid the path to war. Now he'd be almost entirely alone with just Saudi Arabia and its twin sister Israel behind him in this armed siege of Iran if it were not for the fact that the British were suitably supine in their allegiance to Washington. I tell you this as someone who supported Brexit with all of my heart. I didn't fight to replace European Union tutelage with tutelage to Washington. I didn't fight for an independent British foreign policy so that we could subcontract it to the walrus John Bolton and the big palooka Donald Trump. Where we go now is very difficult to see without blood, without fire, without razor sharp, red hot steel and flying glass. It's very difficult to see where we go from this confrontation other than into a devastating war. And it therefore falls to me to remind all of you of what I have said on RT many times before. The Iranians can fight back. The Iranians will fight back. This is not Iraq in 2003, broken backed with a divisive and unpopular leader. The people disunited, all Iranians, bar a few hirelings, will rally behind their country's flag and their country's cause. 
if it comes under attack, either directly from the United States of America, or from Israel, or from Saudi Arabia, from whomsoever, if one shell lands upon Iran, it will be answered by a hundred rockets. The Straits of Hormuz will not become hazardous, they will become unpassable. The Straits of Hormuz will be on fire. The oil fields of all America's allies in the Gulf will be on fire. You won't be able to buy oil, not at 500, not at $5,000 a barrel. What could possibly go wrong with plummeting the world into such a catastrophe? When the previous catastrophes are still burning, Iraq is still burning, Afghanistan still burning, Libya still burning, Syria still burning, Yemen still burning. What could possibly happen if we begin now a much bigger, much more dangerous, much more deadly war with Iran? Sometimes I weary of being Cassandra, calling out to people who are employed to know better. Well, in this case, I know better. I know what the Iranians are capable of, and I know that there are many Iranians who are ready for the fight. We'll be talking about Washington too, after a week of truly dismal, dismally remarkable lows. For 13 seconds, Donald Trump stood silent on a stage in North Carolina this week, while hordes, I can only describe them as hordes from the previous Confederacy, dragging their knuckles in the auditorium, screamed hysterically, led by Trump's own daughter, send them back. He was referring to four women of color, not just United States citizens, just like Trump, just like his daughter, but were members, elected members of the United States Congress. Send them back, they bade and bade and bade like a crowd at some Nuremberg rally with Trump jutting his jaw like Benito Mussolini, il duce at his worst. And it was no accident. It now transpires that this is a part of the presidential election campaign, clearly thought out, People were actually paid for the advice to get him to do it. It's their intention to divide the United States of America in a new civil war with black people, with Muslim people as the enemy within. It is obvious now because the numbers rose. Trump's favorability rating amongst Republicans went up 
to 72%. His ratings amongst Americans as a whole rose to 50%. He's off and running. While the Democrats fiddle while America threatens to burn. They're fiddling around trying to rig their primary process all over again. Senator Gravel was told if he got 67,000 individual donors, he could appear on stage in the Democratic Party's next debates. As soon as he got 67,000, they changed the rules to keep him off. To keep him off because of all the candidates whose hat was in the ring for the Democratic Party's nomination. Gravel, a former senator, a man so old, he was not really running for president at all, but was running to ensure that the Democrats don't make the same mistake they did last time and put up the only candidate that could possibly lose to Donald Trump for a second time. They're not even mentioning Bernie Sanders by name in the opinion polls. You're asked, would you vote for Joe Biden, tick or not? Elizabeth Warren, tick or not? The rest of the donkey derby, tick or not? And then a last category, other. And other wins every time. Every newspaper article I read, every broadcast I see, the only man that can defeat Donald Trump is being airbrushed from the political picture. And we'll be talking about politics here in London, here in Britain. Because on Wednesday, Theresa May is no more. And I wanted to pay tribute to her achievements. Well, that's that then. Her achievements are nil. She is the worst, most ineffectual, most robotic prime minister that Britain has ever had. And that's saying something. She makes John Major look charismatic. She makes Gordon Brown look like Aristotle and Cicero rolled into one. She's not a person. She's a machine. She's artificial intelligence that turned out to be, frankly, stupid. She will be remembered for only two things. One, calling a general election when she already had a parliamentary majority in the hope of getting a bigger one and losing the one that she had. And the other will frankly be her dancing moves. The dancing queen has met her Waterloo for you ABBA fans out there. And she'll be gone by Wednesday. And Boris Johnson will be in by Wednesday afternoon. And an entire new cabinet will be sworn in in the hours and days thereafter. 
a new Chancellor of the Exchequer, that is for international viewers, the man that counts the money, will be in place immediately because the incumbent has just declared a first on British television. The most important minister in the government after the PM herself has just declared on television that he'll be resigning before he can be sacked. Mr. Johnson's rival, Jeremy Hunt, whose blows have been low struck indeed, cannot possibly be long for the British Foreign Office. And I, for one, sing hallelujah. He's a tailor's dummy, the kind you see in Burton's shop window, a man with no knowledge of the international political scene and no communications ability to talk about it. But Boris Johnson was clever, was cleverer than Donald Trump. He can speak Latin, Donald Trump can't even speak English. Boris Johnson is a very dangerous man. And if he attempts to lash Britain ever tighter to the Donald Trump White House, we are in serious trouble in this world. And it's up to us in Britain and those in the United States to seize this moment to do something about it. For the next three hours, I'll be talking and listening, listening to you, to your calls, reading out your tweets, and taking your Skype calls. It's going to be the mother of all talk shows. That, I promise you. This is a first. From Mississippi, Uruguay, Tokyo, Thailand, and Turkey. That's the hellos that are just flooding in, as are the tweets. Here's one from Jane A. GG, looking very cool and suave this evening. Thank you, dear Jane. It's a different jacket, not the same one as last week that excited so much attention. Mungo's mouthpiece says they want a war. They don't give a flying fig for us or the planet. They only want... That's a good point, you know, Mungo. That is a really good point. They're all endlessly prattling about global warming and climate catastrophe, extinction rebellion. If there's a war with Iran, there might not be a planet to save in the first place. And at the very least, it's going to get a whole lot hotter. So Mongo's mouthpiece says they want to usher in a new world order. Who are they? The globalists, the ones who want a world of masters and slaves, corporations ruling the rest with nothing, the world owned by a handful of people. Haven't we got that already? Scott Kilgore says, alas, the hardcore flag-waving Americans will be more than willing to send their sons and daughters to their peril. Well, I'm afraid uh, there are a few like that in Britain too, but not as many as there used to be. Be sure Britain will not be sending any soldiers into Iran. They'll be sending sailors in peril of their lives. They'll be sending airmen and women in peril of their lives. Our depleted naval assets, our depleted air assets, 
and the precious human beings who operate them will be the people whose blood will be shed. Certainly not the politicians in Westminster. Liam Murphy says, Oh my God, the sweeping unfounded statements you make almost make Boris Johnson sound like an intellectual heavyweight. Keep talking like an ill-informed student and keep the Tories in, which you and others do. Are you on the Conservative Central Office's payroll? No, I'm not, I'm not Liam, but thanks for watching and listening. Anyway, Fraser Buchanan says, why are the Brits still the lapdog of the USA establishment? Haven't we learned from the gallivanting in Iraq? Best wishes from Canada. Well, Fraser, we haven't learned from Iraq. We haven't learned from Afghanistan. We haven't learned from Libya, from Syria, from Yemen. Now, you know there's an old song? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, Shame on me. Fool me five times, five times shame on me. We have a media which talks about this crisis as if none of the other crises ever happened or ever ended so catastrophically, or rather not ended, continued so catastrophically. I've got a call from Nottingham in England. Yes, caller, go ahead. Hello, George. How are you, comrade? I'm very good. Nice to hear from you, sir. What's your name? Oh, God bless you. It's Paul. Uh, Thanks, I, Paul. Uh, came, I remember uh, you well, uh, yes. You do? Uh, when you came to Nottingham, brother, I've seen you there with uh, Gayatri. Yes, uh, I remember it well. wonderful wife. I remember it well. wonderful. Thank absolutely you. Absolutely lovely speech together with Ken uh, Livingston. Ken Livingston, yeah. You know, George, I'm absolutely shocked, you know, the way this, uh, you know, this is all panning out, you know, with this threat against Iran. You can see that it's clearly a false flag, you know, that's orchestrated clearly by the CIA. The Mossad, the Israelis are in there. They're the ones at the, the top of this tower of evil that's stoking it up. Have they not had enough, George, of the, uh, you know, the destruction that they've caused across the Middle East, the genocide that we've seen in, in Iraq, over a million dead, in Syria, half a million dead? You know, I'm very, very, you know, very boiling with anger, George, when I see it. And when you look at the BBC, what a mouthpiece of propaganda that we have to uh, listen to every single day. That's why we have to pay for it to too, RT, George. We have I to. Know. <laughs> we'll go to jail if we don't pay for it. I only yeah, differ exactly. with you on, in this regard, Paul. Uh, I don't mm. believe that Israel is at the top of this tree. Uh, the United States and its monkey. Uh, the British government are at the top of the tree. Israel works really, for yes. imperialism, not imperialism working for Israel. Having said that, well, I did see some comments from Donald Trump today that mm -hmm. appeared to suggest that he believes he's the president of Israel. Presumably the United <laughs> States and Israel. Look them up. They're just today. He was talking about Ilham Omar that we'll be talking about later in the show. Uh, but he was talking, he said, I gave uh, Jerusalem as capital of Israel. I gave the Golan Heights to Israel. He was talking as if, as if they were one country and he was the president of both yeah. of them. This is the language of a fascist dictator, George, isn't it? Isn't this precisely what the Nazis did, you know, during the Second World War? You know, what was the Nuremberg trials all about, George? It was about 
putting, you know, Nazi war criminals on trial mm. for what? Precisely no, I don't, for what? I, 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 for wars I, I, of aggression, George. Yeah, That's yeah, wars of, aggression, wars of aggression. The Nuremberg against peace. Yeah, the the Nuremberg Tribunal established wars of aggression as the ultimate crime, uh, and no one has paid for the wars of aggression uh, against Iraq, against. Uh, Afghanistan against Libya, against Syria, no one has paid for those wars of aggression, wars of choice, exactly. wars of aggression. But no, yes. uh, uh, Trump will only be a Nazi dictator if he succeeds in closing down the courts, uh, cancelling the elections, appointing himself the president for life. Uh, and I think we're a very, very long way short of that. So I, I don't well, believe uh, that he's a Nazi well, dictator. Enough, George, I accept, I accept yeah. that point. But the longer we have a Trump kind of nutcase in power in the United States mm, mm. of America, we're more likely, we're going in that direction, George. Mind you, I'll tell you, you what, know, Paul. It's uh, an assault on the, on, you know, on the Congresswomen like uh, Ilan uh, It was, uh, and, uh, it, it was, uh, and he knew uh, that he had overstepped even his mark because he tried the mm. next day to say that he didn't like it, even though it was his mm. daughter that was leading the chant. And even yes. though he stood like a big dummy for 13 yes. seconds, which is a long time. If I mm -hmm. now stood silent for the next 13 seconds, you would know just how long that is in broadcast time. And mm -hmm. he allowed them to chant, to froth, to foam, to drag their knuckles, I was just waiting for, uh, for uh, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson and the Confederate flag to be unfurled mm. in the corner. Paul, thanks very much yeah. for that call, my friend. Uh, here's a tweet from my old friend, Marie McFarlane. Hi, Marie. Ready for some truth, ready for some facts and intelligent, non-censored, authentic discussions for and by the people. Tune in to the mother of all talk shows. Thanks, Marie. Let's hear from Helen in Cornwall, again in England. Go ahead, Helen. Hello, can you hear me, George? Very Hello, clearly, the whole world's listening. Hello, thank you for taking my call. I love your show, George, and you Thanks. do wonderful commentary. Um, I'm ringing to ask you, if we, can we talk a little bit? Can, I know the, the Iran situation is a crisis and it's very worrying, but can we discuss, if possible, I, my, I'm very worried about what's going on in Cyprus. Uh, pe people in Cyprus, northern and southern Cyprus, they want to live peacefully, basically. And unfortunately, we've got the provocations of the Turkish government run by Erdogan, who is constantly threatening possibly another invasion. And, you know, hopefully, God forbid, it won't be. But on yesterday's day of the anniversary of the invasion of Cyprus, uh, he threatened again. Well, Helen, I was actually here in London on holiday in the week uh, of the Turkish invasion of Cyprus, and I went on the demonstration that Saturday uh, to Hyde Park uh, protesting against it. And of course, I oppose still the Turkish invasion of Cyprus and the division of the island and the partition of uh, people who had lived together uh, for a very long time. And I think now that oil and gas have been discovered off the coast of Cyprus, a political yeah. solution uh, to the Cyprus question is more pressing even than it has been uh, for these last uh, 40 years. 
uh, or more. Uh, so the, uh, the call that you make, I absolutely acknowledge. But at the risk of uh, making you annoyed, I've got to point out something that has changed. For a very long time, decades, it was the Turkish Cypriots who were refusing uh, to end the partition and to reunify the island. But yeah. in, in recent years, it is yeah. the Greek Cypriot government that, yeah. has, that has refused those, uh, those uh, possible uh, rapprochements. And so both sides have got to get their act together. Don't you agree? Yes, I, I do agree. So we've got to... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It was 1974, right? So this is the 45th anniversary. Yes. Wow. 45th anniversary. And but I why? I remember that demonstration like it was yesterday. There you go. Go on, but Helen. Why, why do you think Erdogan is constantly threatening? And, and why, why do you... Is it, it, it's not helping the situation. No, no. It's well, very concerning. Erdogan has gone from a policy of no quarrels with the neighbours to quarrels with all the neighbours. Fights with all the neighbors, wars with all the neighbors, certainly with Syria and with Iraq and with these threats also uh, of war with uh, Cyprus. Now, both, uh, both sides of the border, of the division, the, the completely unnatural partition of a small island have got to get their act together. Helen, thanks very much indeed. Uh, for that call. Some comments from Facebook and YouTube. Ash Big says, Iraq War, Mark II. War will the Americans never learn from their failed history of aggressions. Don't forget also that you can send Skype messages. You can send them in, by the way, at any time in the week, and we'll play them out. The Skype address is GG Motes. So if you fancy seeing yourself as well as hearing yourself, on the mother of all talk shows. That's what to do. Send us a Skype message. GG Motes. That's G G M O A T S. And here's the man without whom the news wouldn't be the news. Here's Adam. <laughs> Lovely Ask to be Adam. back. Ask Adam, the cleverest man in England for international viewers. There won't be many cleverer men in your country either. Adam is uh, a polymath. A man who can talk about everything from ABBA and King Crimson uh, to the intricate politics of the southeast of Asia 
the northeast of Asia, the North Africa, Middle East region, Britain and the United States. Welcome back, uh, Adam. You want, have you got a question, by the way? Hashtag it, ask Adam. And there are some admirers who are even hashtagging ask Adam out. <laughs> so you never know. As we say in Glasgow, you might get a lumber uh, by the end of the night. I've got loads of tweets and, uh, and loads of calls waiting, Adam. But let's just set the scene. Uh, Britain will have a new Prime Minister on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Theresa May will face Prime Minister's questions for the last time at midday on Wednesday. And at 12.30, she will set off for the palace. Uh, Philip Hammond, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, has said that he'll meet her on the way out and hand her his resignation uh, because he knows that uh, he's for the off. His tea is out, as we say in Glasgow. Uh, so we'll be filling uh, not one but two and maybe many more posts on Wednesday afternoon. How does that scene look to you? Well, it's going to be the spring cleaning. And before we get to that, uh, we can just sort of set the scene for her final prime minister's question time. I'm sure it's available online, so I do recommend watching it. The previous two debates in which she lost her attempt to get her European withdrawal bill that's really just a new European treaty through the House of Commons. And I had, a tr I had trouble at one point determining which side of the House were the government and which were the opposition because they were all lining up from big to man and man to pig. <laughs> Quite right. They were all opposing her. We're going to see something very different on Wednesday. It's going to be a cavalcade of hypocrisy where, as you say, the least effective and most ineffectual Prime Minister in living memory, if not in the memory of the dead, uh, they're going to be giving all sorts of praise to her, and it's going to be quite morose. Um, so they come, they come here not to uh, bury, but to praise her. Indeed. In her last hours. Quite right. So we're going to you see know, a lot said of when, that. Uh, when the, they say he was great, I wasn't around, but when Pitt was succeeded by an unknown man called Addington, they said Pitt is to Addington as London is to Paddington. Paddington <laughs> uh, being a tiny area, not far uh, actually from uh, here. Uh, London is to Paddington. She, I mean, David Cameron was no giant, but Theresa May was an exceedingly small prime minister, wasn't she? Absolutely. She was the world's sort of most annoying bookmark, page holder, a paperweight, call her what you will, but she literally got nothing done. Absolutely nothing. Well, I take that back. She provoked Russia, she provoked China, she provoked Iran, she yeah. provoked the she United lost us States. A lot of friends, yeah. How to lose friends and influence nothing you is know, that, really. That's the... an overarching question I have, Adam. Uh, if you're leaving the European Union, and I'm glad that we are. Yeah. It's incumbent on you, surely, to make as many new friends in the world or remake old acquaintances as possible, unless you want to be entirely friendless. Well, uh, there's a football team called Millwall, uh, and they sing, uh, uh, we are Millwall, no one likes us, we don't care. Uh, that's almost become the British national anthem. Well, it certainly should be played at her retirement party at 10 Downing Street because she had one job, literally one job, which is, as you say, prepare free trading agreements with the world outside of Europe. To say to China, to the United States, to Canada, to Pakistan, to India, to ASEAN, to everyone, to say the doors of commerce in Britain are open. Come on in. We want to do business. We want to make friends. We want to develop connectivity. And instead, she 
just went around with her grimacing demeanor, dancing her way into the oblivion that she now finds herself. She was definitely uh, grim, I must say. Kieran's on the line. Kieran, welcome. George, good afternoon or good evening. How are you? Very well. Nice to hear from you, sir. What would you like to say? Uh, absolute honor to, to, to speak to you. Thank you, Listen, sir. Listen, just very quickly. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm hearing a, a, my voice down the phone here repeating back to me. Um, do you know what? You started your show talking about uh, Donald Trump, and I'm really uncomfortable about the, about the things you said, the negative attitude, which is a fair point. But it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. He's a fascist. He's a racist. He's anti-immigrant. Uh, no, he's anti-Mexican. That kind I, of thing. I, I, well, I contradicted that he was a fascist. No, but it, it, but I mean, it, even how you talked about, you said that you didn't like him. <laughs> oh, that was the impression that I got. Was that but a surprise to you that I don't like him? <laughs> no, it's not, and I'm not a fan of, of Trump either, but I'm a fan of fairness. And I'm a, fair, a fan of, listen, I remember you, I, I watched it on YouTube about two, three years ago, you debating uh, Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. And it was a vicious, virile, nasty, in inverted commas, debate. It was Ali versus Frazier. It was the yeah, thriller was in the Manila. Truth. It was a fair fight, you used facts. And when, when you lashed him with your tongue, it was with the truth and vice versa. Yeah. Listen, you paid the price for uh, uh, that tweet, was it a tweet you sent on uh, with TalkSport? Mm. And I saw your interview or your debate with Alan Sugar uh -huh. as well. And as soon as he got on the air, as you, you stated facts about the flags, that kind of thing. As soon as he got his chance, the first thing he said, I think was from memory, George uh, Galloway is an anti-Semitic so-and-so. And that's what's happening. And when I hear you saying that kind of thing, it, and, and BBC no, uh, and CNN no, well, kind well, of thing... Uh, Kieran, let me stop you and I'll let you back in. Uh, yeah. You see, th there are things that simply cannot be denied. If you encourage for 13 seconds of your silence, tens of thousands of people to chant, send them back, about four black American citizens, all of them yeah. representatives in the US Congress. You're a racist. Uh, I, I don't know, I, can't, I don't know. I don't know. It's not right. Well, 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 okay, it's not right, okay, but that's but a very, that's a very easy label to put well, on. Well, well, that's a very easy that? label to e put on. Well, I'll tell you what. His own wife, well, his own wife is an Eastern European immigrant. Correct. His previous wife was a Russian immigrant, correct. I think, certainly correct. from Eastern Europe. Yeah. His father uh, was the son of a German immigrant. Yeah. His mother was a Scottish immigrant. He's not, saying, he's not saying anybody should be sent back to Scotland or Slovenia or Russia. He's, no, saying, it no, about, he's saying it about four black women, Kieran. But you better believe, you better believe that if it was four white women from Eastern Europe, he would be saying the same thing. Listen, listen, now, look, look, you can say that, right, and you could say, well, that proves he's a racist. I could also say, it was not only in the last few months that he had loads of black people in the, in the, uh, Oval, uh, the Oval Office, that Obama and previous uh, administrations let these people rot in jail for fairly minimal uh, drug crimes and that kind of thing, simply because of the third uh, strike. Kieran, I, I, w I wouldn't like you to have the misapprehension that I in any way hold any candles for Barack Obama, and as I said, yeah. as I oh, said right. uh, three years ago, I'm not happy that Donald Trump is the president of the United States, but I'm very, very happy that Hillary Clinton isn't. 
Let's hear well, what Adam has to say. Let's, let's take Adam's point of view. Adam. Well, it was very interesting because this week people on all sides were moralizing, some were even philosophizing, because after all, we are all philosophers. Some of our philosophy just is more interesting than others, said Plato to the wall. Some people get that. Um, but what I saw is <laughs> that there were essentially, it, was, it wasn't Ali versus Frazier because there was some elegance to that, but it was a bit of a street fight, a bit of a cockfight, a bit of a bear bear because Trump likes to get down and nasty and those four I call them the gang of four they like to get nasty too both of them when you combine them are as nasty as they want to be whether on Twitter whether in front of a camera it I wish America had a parliamentary system because that would be very interesting seeing Trump at one dispatch box and then Cortez and Omar and the others on the other that would be fireworks it would be wonderful television and radio as well but the way I saw it is that if you go into politics, you have to be able to dish it out and take it. It's a very rough business. It's not a business for the lighthearted. But send them back has a very different connotation. He wasn't saying kick them out of the Congress. He wasn't saying vote them down. Uh, he was saying send American citizens back. That's a qualitatively different thing. Well, it's, it is an insult, and it's a big one, but the way I see it is that however low one side goes, the other side's going to go lower, and that literally, and I don't think I'm the only one, I'm comfortably numb. Nothing that anyone in U.S. politics in particular, but U.K. politics too, nothing can shock me anymore. Absolutely nothing. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if the Democrats uh, were to gather in a, in a hall and start chanting about sending Trump's wife back. Although, actually, from what I hear, she'd probably be quite happy uh, to go back. Last word to you, Kieran. Yeah, George, I tell you, yeah, you're probably right. Listen, just one quick point and one quick question. Listen, I think myself that that wasn't aimed at the four of them. It was aimed at, uh, at Ilhan Omar, okay? That's, that's what I think it was aimed at. But he couldn't, he couldn't single her out because then he would have been told, you are racist. The only foreign-born American citizen you're picking on. So I think, he was, I think it was at her, but he, had, he couldn't pick. No, finally. But what, what has he got, Kieran, what has he got against her? That she supports Palestine and wants uh, that it shouldn't be illegal to boycott Israeli goods? Yeah. And I agree that, with that. That's I mean, what he's I'm, got I'm against her, because he thinks he's the president of Israel also. <laughs> yeah, and look, I'm, saying, I don't, I'm not saying that he's right. I don't agree with <laughs> a lot of what he says. Last thing, here's dirty politics. Do you genuinely think, genuinely think, that when AOC went down to those camps, those, those concentration camps in air quotes, um, that she was shouted at and abused by guards? I genuinely don't. Who questioned her on it? Who said, right, who was it, who were they? Because if they really did this, they shouldn't be working here. We'll get them sacked. The, 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 that's my point. Okay, well, I, I can't answer it. I have no idea. But I have no doubt our American listeners are already reaching for their telephones right now. Kieran, been a pleasure uh, disagreeing with you. Thank you very much indeed for that. It's going to be a bruising presidential race, oh, yeah. isn't it? I think the level of brutality that we're seeing is essentially going to be bigger than what we've seen before, but there's a big qualification to that. Behind the scenes, people at dinners, at barbecues, at bars, at, at sports games, they're saying the same things in private that now Trump and his chief opponents, the gang of four, are saying in public. So as I said previously to you on one of our previous exchanges, Donald Trump is the Johnny Rotten of politics. He's acting very rotten 
curtain, but he's merely holding a mirror up to society and reflecting the nastiness that previously wasn't non-existent but was suppressed. And well, I think that's the I, big takeaway. Yeah, I, I was once sat. Uh, I've broadcast about this before. I was once sat uh, in a breakfast hall in an American uh, hotel on a speaking tour of the United States. And there were a large group of what the Americans called seniors, pensioners we uh, call them. They must have been on some jaunt uh, and they were staying there and they'd all come down to breakfast together. There was a good 20, 25 of them. And it was before Barack Obama was uh, elected. Mm. And they were talking of Obama in the most racialized terms mm. I personally had ever heard such a large group of people ever do. Mm. Uh, and so I was in no doubt then uh, that the, United, the divisions in the United States, uh, and there are many between states, between regions, between rich and poor especially, between the 70, 80 million Americans who don't even have health insurance, to the majority of Americans who could not survive a $3,000 emergency, who literally would go to the wall if such an emergency uh, uh, were to arise. The United States history as a slave-owning, operating nation and so on, these multiple fractures in American society could very well erupt. I mean, uh, I've been saying for a while, if they try and impeach Donald Trump, you, you could actually see people taking up arms in the United States. I don't doubt that. I think that what a lot of people misread about Trump is that how much is he actually putting the boiling liquid back down into the sewer? How much is he actually suppressing in the sense that he's letting people sublimate it? Instead of shooting someone, God forbid, instead of rabble-rousing on the street, they can go to a highly secure Donald Trump rally or go to some chat box on one of the pro-Donald Trump social media pages and vent their views there. If Trump were to exit his presidency in, how shall we call it, an unnatural way, I think all of those tendencies that you mentioned would boil over. Because we have to remember, every big country is going to have more diversity and more division, more differences than a small country. But the United States is quite peculiar because China, huge country, very centralized system. Russia, it's a giant country, but fewer and fewer people actually live in it. The United States is both very populous and even legalistically very distinct. Every state has quite a bit of sovereignty. Then there's a federal government and in fact the civil war was fought over who has the lion's share of power. So you have a large population in a geographically, topographically diverse place and the very legal system actually it accentuates the differences and I'm not saying that's a bad thing in terms of the constitutional sense but as the population of the U.S. grows a lot of these trends are going to be amplified and the divisions will become more sharp. He chose North Carolina to do this, uh, former, uh, formerly Klan's land. Yes. Uh, uh, in fact, the very town that he uh, chose uh, in which the rally was held was formerly, perhaps even some, uh, still to some extent, uh, a real stronghold of the very worst white supremacist yes. instincts in the United States. Well, the first hour uh, is almost by. The good news is that there are two more hours to come. You can call us, you can tweet us, you can even Skype us. 
at GG Motes. This is the mother of all talk shows. I'm George Galloway. With me is the cleverest man in England. Ask Adam. Hashtag Ask Adam Gary. No sooner had I asked for an American caller, and I've got one, though his name isn't Gareth. Tell me, what's your name, <laughs> what's your name sir? Yes, my name is Jared Munteith, uh, uh, a very Mr. good Scottish, A very good Scottish surname. Ah, you, you caught it really, yes. I, I, yes, know, uh, I, know, I, know, I know Munteith very well. Uh, I even kissed a girl on Monteith Hill. Uh, uh, maybe uh, 50 years ago. There you go. My family moved over to um, America um, just before the uh, revolution happened. Also, I got a, a branch in Canada as well. It's a, a, a name that actually came from Normandy of all places. Yeah, go ahead. Keep. <laughs> yes. And Perfect. I, yeah. and I, I, what did you want to say? I want to talk about Iran and uh, what um, the, the neocons with this, this, this clown in the White House, they are trying to push a war with Iran. And they are cutting Iran's oil off. And we've seen this before with other countries, with Iraq, with Venezuela, with North Korea and Cuba. And they want to either... Uh, have a regime that is friendly to the United States, or they will eventually just attack it. And I just can't, if my grandfather was alive today and he saw this clown in the White House, he would just already have a heart attack and die. And thankfully, he doesn't have to see this. Because when he fought in the Pacific War against the Japanese fascists, I never in my day believed that our country would one day be ruled by actual fascists. And yet here we are today with the likes of people like Donald Trump and Theresa May and now Boris Johnson. But these are, are, these are these. brother, the, you know, we have to be careful with these. Uh, this uh, ontology is very important, you know. We have to be careful with these words because if we debase the currency, uh, then we'll be the boy that cried wolf. Uh, Donald Trump is many things, and Boris Johnson is many things, but neither of them is a fascist. A fascist is uh, a dictator that abolishes elections, abolishes the courts, sublimates all national institutions uh, to his own will, and sets about a process of annihilation, physical annihilation, of his opponents. Now, we might not like Donald Trump, but he doesn't fit the bill on any of those. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, maybe I should have um, said uh, proto-fascist would be a better term, somebody who is uh, in the process. Or um, uh, far-right would be a better term, I guess. Yeah, although uh, his ratings are up to 50%. <laughs> So, yeah, it, you it, know, it's working. It, it's, it's the people uh, and not necessarily only the president that we have to reproach uh, for all of this. Anyway, I'm thinking of Menteith Hill as I say goodbye to you. Thank you very much indeed, because I've got the legendary Katie Halper on the line now from the United States. Uh, Katie, on screen even. So very, very good to see you. Katie, can you hear me?
Excellent. Very Hello. nice to make your acquaintance, Katie, albeit uh, by Skype. Uh, right, we've lost the voice. We'll come back to you. The communicipalist says the U.S. military carbon footprint is destroying the world even without firing a shot. It is recently reported in the Ecologist Journal that the U.S. military is a bigger polluter than 140 countries. Just think about that. Just contemplate that. Paul Booker says, one of my best friends has a son aboard HMS Duncan and currently in the Gulf. Actually, right in the firing line, Paul. She was beside herself when she found out about his deployment. She knows that's his job, but her and other parents hate the thought of their children dying in someone else's war. Thanks, Paul. John M. says, does anyone actually think that Iran cares about the United Kingdom? It's all about power, and unless I'm very much mistaken, we don't have any. Sending a nuclear sub says what? Something for it to do. Otherwise, it's sailing about, looking hard, and doing nothing. Thanks, John. Uh, unfortunately, we seem to have lost uh, Katie. Are we going to get her back? Katie, are you there? Yes, I'm there. How wonderful, wonderful to see you. Thanks very hey. much indeed for joining us. I've been talking uh, to a slightly skeptical audience to some extent about what I thought was the crossing of a Rubicon by Trump this week in North Carolina. Uh, his standards are quite debased in any case, especially about right. women especially about people of color. And here we have four women of color uh, who he has now quite deliberately put into his sights. So whilst it's, it's not full on fascism yet, it was, it was kind of fascism light, the rally, didn't you think? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I think the, the rally was really scary and disturbing. But I do have to say that one of the other things that I think we need to talk about, because I think that, I mean, everyone knows that Trump is a racist sexist, and that's worth talking about. But um, the other issue is that Nancy Pelosi has been kind of depressingly unsupportive of these women. Can you guys hear me okay, by the way? Yeah, I, hear I can. I can. And, than and you've struck a chord with me because I was going to put to you, Katie, that oh, the, okay. the, yeah. de the Democratic Party's leadership teed this whole thing up exactly. for Donald Trump. Right. right, right, exactly, which is that, so the issue is that Donald Trump, as, as I said, and as you know full well, we know he's racist, we know he's sexist, that doesn't mean that we don't need to talk about it, but I do think that the irony is that we should be expecting more from Democrats, or I thought we should be, and like you said, Nancy Pelosi teed this thing up, she's been really dismissive and disrespectful of um, the squad, right? So that's um, Ocasio um, Cortez, Ayanna Presley, um, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilan Omar. And what we're seeing is that Donald Trump, because we know he's very shrewd, I mean, he's very stupid and true at the same time, he took advantage of that and he kind of provoked more division and played against Pelosi um, and took advantage of that and, and attacked these four women. And then Nancy Pelosi, in, in kind of in turn, and this is how it's, I mean, it's almost like a, a, fee, a feedback loop with Trump and Pelosi. I'm not comparing Pelosi and Trump in terms of their politics or their morals, but, you know, they both benefit from this because Trump gets to throw red meat at the base and Nancy Pelosi 
um, gets to look like an anti-racist because she's condemning Donald Trump. But well, uh, the, that, that's true uh, to uh, a very big extent, but Trump's got the Democrats now right where he wants them, doesn't he? He, right. he wants the face of the Democrats to be the squad because he perhaps correctly identifies that for many citizens, voters in the United States, uh, those four uh, women uh, are not the face of America that they want to see. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I'm sorry, George. Is there, are there? I feel. I think they're the people in like in the control room. I can hear them, and it's co it's um, covering up your audio. Okay, well they'll. Have, there, I'm, really, I'm really sorry about that. No, no, they'll have heard you, and uh, okay. pipe, they'll pipe down a bit now. All right, yeah, uh, I hope. Down, yeah. But okay, um, yeah, now I can. Hear I you. suppose. Sorry, yeah. I suppose my point is, Trump didn't do this by accident. You're right. Uh, right. He is a big palooka, uh, but he has a low cunning, and the yeah. low cunning here is to try and paint the face of the Democratic Party as the face of the squad. Because right. he, he correctly, I think, calibrates that that's not a face that the United States is yet ready to embrace as, uh, as the majority in the country. Well, I think you, what you see, I mean, we, we saw this, for instance, like with Obama. Obama was able to win over a lot of racists. Like people, this is kind of an apocryphal story maybe, but there, lots of people said that during 2008, people would say, um, uh, in 2016, they would vote for the N-word um, instead of, uh, even though, in other words, they were able to overcome that. Yeah. And I think that these women, they do, I mean, look, those, we have a Somalian, a black Muslim woman from Somalia. We have um, a Palestinian American, an African American woman, a Latina woman, and their policies are really bold, and that's why they're able to win the elections that they won. I think that, honestly, um, same thing with Bernie Sanders, right? Like, he's Jewish and he's a democratic socialist, but he's appealing to people. So I don't think that they, per se, are um, can't win elections. I mean, we saw that they could. I think what this, what really is happening is that the Democrats don't want to have, the Democratic leadership doesn't want to have to, to pass the very bold, progressive policies that the squad is advocating for. And it's funny because they're pretending that the squad is distracting from bread and butter issues, and that's not true at all. They're the ones who are pushing the bread and butter issues, and they, and they're pushing Nancy Pelosi to push them. And those things are very popular. They have mass support, you know, the, the minimum wage, Medicare for all, all, all those things that the kind of Bernie wing of the party is fighting for. So I think I think he is being strategic, but I also think if the Dems actually got behind those policies, they'd be a lot more inoculated against Trump. Indeed, and uh, and uh, th those four wouldn't be the face of those policies. The leadership would be the right. Face they would be of among the faces. Right. Policies. They'd be among the faces of those policies. Right. Now, uh, I said earlier in the show, I have not seen or heard anything that Ilhan Omar, who I think is the main target of the disgraceful events in North Carolina this week. Uh, yeah. the, uh, because she's the only foreign-born person that could be sent back. Uh, the, I've never seen her or heard her say or do anything uh, that uh, I disapproved of. She may not right. play in Peoria, but why, why, why do they hate her so much? I mean, they hate her so much because one of the reasons is that she's openly critical of Israel, which is a big no-no. And I say this as a Jewish American 
who is really upset by the way APAC claims to speak for me and speak for all Jews. And um, Ilan Omar, is, her views are much closer to mine and the views of lots of progressives, Jews and non-Jews alike. Um, but she really exposed how um, much trouble you get into if you dare to criticize uh, Israel. And of course, we have to remember that the majority of, of Zionists in the United States aren't even Jews, they're Christian Zionists, right? Sure, sure. So when people try to smear criticisms of Zionism as anti-Semitism, they're being disingenuous or ignorant. Um, that's one of the reasons uh, she's, I mean, also she went after, and this is part, part of our
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.